Welcome to the Land of Goshen podcast. This is where you can hear the latest sermons from Goshen Presbyterian Church in Belmont, North Carolina, a congregation of the Presbyterian Church in America. For more information on Goshen Presbyterian Church, please visit GoshenPCA.com. That's GoshenPCA.com. Our reading this morning is 2 Samuel chapter 6. 2 Samuel chapter 6. Hear the word of the Lord. Now David again gathered all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000. And David arose and went with all the people who were with him to Bela Judah, to bring up from there the ark of God, which is called by the name, the very name of the Lord of hosts, who is enthroned above the cherubim. They placed the ark of God on a new cart, that they might bring it from the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. And Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, were leading the new cart. So they brought it with the ark of God from the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill, and Ahio was walking ahead of the ark. Meanwhile, David and all the house of Israel were celebrating before the Lord with all kinds of instruments made of fir wood, and with lyres, harps, tambourines, castanets, and cymbals. But when they came to the threshing floor of Nacon, Uzzah reached out toward the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen nearly upset it. And the anger of the Lord burned against Uzzah, and God struck him down there for his irreverence, and he died there by the ark of God. David became angry because of the Lord's outburst against Uzzah, and that place is called Perez-Uzzah to this day. So David was afraid of the Lord that day, and he said, how can the ark of the Lord come to me? And David was unwilling to move the ark of the Lord into the city of David with him. But David took it aside to the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite. Thus the ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. Now it was told King David, saying, The Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him on account of the ark of God. David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom into the city of David with gladness. And so it was that when the bearers of the ark of the Lord had gone six paces, he sacrificed an ox and a fatling. And David was dancing before the Lord with all his might. And David was wearing a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouting and the sound of the trumpet. Then it happened as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, that Michael, the daughter of Saul, looked out of the window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord. And she despised him in her heart. So they brought in the ark of the Lord and set it in its place inside the tent which David had pitched for it. And David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. When David had finished offering the burnt offering and the peace offering, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts. Further, he distributed to all the people, to all the multitude of Israel, both to men and women, a cake of bread and one of dates and one of raisins to each one. Then all the people departed each to his house. But when David returned to bless his household, Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, How the king of Israel distinguished himself today! 
He uncovered himself today in the eyes of his servants and maids as one of the foolish ones shamelessly uncovers himself. So David said to Michael, It was before the Lord who chose me above your father and above all his house to appoint me ruler over the people of, his, of the Lord over Israel. Therefore I will celebrate before the Lord. I will be more lightly esteemed than this and will be humble in my own eyes. But with the maids of whom you have spoken, with them I will be distinguished. Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no child to the day of her death. Yet relationships are hard. They're hard. We all know this. Sometimes we wonder why it's so hard. Well, at least part of the reason is you're dealing with another person. And people have thoughts, they have feelings, and they have goals that are unique to them. They're not the same as yours. Don't believe me? Try, okay, I'm sorry if this sounds bad, but I'm a guy, I'm speaking from a guy's perspective. Ask a woman where she wants to eat. I don't know. Well, what do you feel like? You pick. Let's go here. I don't want that. Let's go here. I don't want, by the way, someone on the internet finally explained, they said, don't do that. If a woman says, you pick, or doesn't respond, just say, well, guess where I'm taking you. Then take her to the place she guesses. Because that's where she wants to go. Somebody finally cracked the code. How many millennia have we been having this conversation, and somebody finally cracked the code? It's hard to get inside another person's head. In fact, you can't actually do it completely. You can know someone very well. I mean, my children have half my DNA, and I don't understand what they're thinking sometimes. That's just how it is. And that's why communication is so important in relationships. If we don't tell people what's actually going on in our minds and hearts, they don't know how to relate to us and vice versa. We don't know how to relate to them. That's why we have to talk to each other to explain this is what's happening. This is where I'm trying to go and what I'm trying to accomplish. You know, this is how we're going to have to relate to each other. Now, if you think relationships are hard on the human level, how hard is it to relate to God, who is not only another person, he is completely other than we are. He is infinite, absolute, and holy. Not only that, he is invisible. How on earth are we supposed to relate to God? Thankfully, God has clearly told us in this His Word how we can relate to Him the proper way. He has shown us, He has communicated to us, this is how you relate to the Almighty. First, we see what you don't do. That's very important. You learn all those things you're not supposed to do. When we approach God our own way, it leads to disaster. When we approach God our own way, it leads to disaster. David wanted God to dwell in his royal city. And why not? 
First off, David loved God. He just wanted to be close to Him. But think also of the benefit. David would be close to the presence of God where he could go to worship God constantly. Remember, this is the psalmist of Israel. He who wrote much of that uh, book of hymns and songs for God that's in the middle of our Bibles. This is someone who loved to dwell in the courts of the house of the Lord. He wanted ready access to the place where at that time God's presence dwelt on earth among men. He wanted to be able to just walk and stand before God. But of course, it's also practical. In those days, if you had a question, you went to wherever God was on earth, where his presence was manifested, and you spoke to the priest, and they had these stones, Urim and Thummim. We don't know exactly how they worked. We think it was possibly like lots, where they threw them in a bag and tossed them out and got an answer that way. But God had said, if you have a question that is not answered by the prophets, nor by dreams, nor by visions, you can ask me using these stones. And of course, David is the king. He had many, many questions. And we know he inquired of God using the ephod, which is where these stones were kept. He wanted access to God's wisdom in order to lead. So both for religious and practical purposes, this is a good idea. But David approached God the wrong way. It's been pointed out he actually approached God the same way the world did. The same way the Philistines did. Remember, the Philistines captured the Ark of God way back in 1 Samuel. You remember that? About a year ago? Way back in this book, they captured the Ark of God. When it came back, how did it come? In a cart. And what does David do with it? Puts it in a cart. That is not how the law of God said the ark was to be handled. You were not supposed to put it in a cart. Instead of blessing. David and his men received death, fear, and a disrupted relationship with God. It sounds so minor, doesn't it? Uzzah put his hand out to steady the ark. I, I like what one commentator pointed out one time. First off, that was just dumb on a practical level because the ark weighed a lot. Remember, it's a box made of wood coated with gold and on top of it is the mercy seat, which is made of pure gold. You know how heavy gold is? It's heavy. It is dense. You know, in the movies, when they're waving around gold bars, you can't do that. You can't lift them like that. They're too heavy. So what did he think he was going to do, stretching out his hand to stop it? But he touched it, and he died because he... A sinner dared touch the place where God's holy presence was manifest on earth. The ark was so holy that it was supposed to be covered with a cloth before anyone carried it. You weren't supposed to see it, let alone touch it. He died for his irreverence. 
for not recognizing this is God's ark. If God, God knocked over Dagon, if God doesn't want the ark to fall, he'll keep it from falling, all right? God is not an idol who needs you to pick him up. David, David got angry. That's sinful. He was angry at God for killing Uzzah. And then he feared. How can I stand before the Lord? None of this was what David expected. None of it was what he wanted. But when you approach God your own way, that's what you get. Because we are sinners. You do not force yourself into the presence of Almighty God or you will face Him in His holy justice. He will look at you and say, What are you doing here? There are many ways that people try to approach God and receive His blessing. Some try to approach God through their good works. That's what most people do. They think, well, if I just do enough, if I just try hard enough, I can come before God. Really? Do you understand how holy and perfect God is? Do you actually think you can make up for all the bad things you've done? Every breath you take, every pump of your heart to keep your blood flowing, every action of the neurons in your brain and your body that allow you to express your thoughts and move in order to take action, and every thought and intention of your soul exists because God wills it to exist. And you think your good works are going to have any standing with Him? You can't do anything unless he gives you to do it. And you've already sinned against him. How are you going to pay that? Because I don't care how tiny your sins are, a sin against an infinite God has infinite consequences. Think about it. If you come up and kick me in the shin, no big deal. I'm just some guy who lives in Belmont. You go kick President Trump in the shin and see how quickly the Secret Service tackles you. Because now you've kicked the President of the United States. Go quick kick the Queen of England in the shin. See how quick... Look, they take things so seriously over there, if you stand in front of her guard while they're marching, they just run over you. I've seen videos of it on YouTube. And after they knock you out of the way, they'll shout, make way for the Queen's guard. Because it's too late for you, but they're letting other people know, don't get in our way. They will trample you. They don't care. The more dignified the person is, the higher their station, the worse your offense is. God has infinite station, infinite dignity, and therefore your sin has infinite consequence. You will never pay him back. That's why hell is forever. You can never reach the end of the debt. Others establish their own faiths, teaching that God's love and grace will save all those who are generally good people. 
Well, we're not perfect, but God is just so loving, He'll take us anyway. God just loves everybody enough. And here's what you say to someone like that. Who told you that? It's not in the Bible. God didn't say it here. So who told you that? Did God tell you that? Did you have a dream? Did you have a vision? And most of them will say, no, I just thought about it. And God is obviously loving, right? I don't care what you think. Because we're trying to relate to God, and in a relationship, what do you need? Communication. What has God communicated? Not what has man thought up about God. Trust me, I remember dating. If you're a guy, don't listen to guys about women. If you want to know about women, who do you talk to? Women. You go ask your mom, you go ask your sister, you go ask your friend who's a girl. You think about this because they can tell you what you're thinking. If you're a woman, you don't talk to a woman about a guy, you go to a guy. I don't know why women ask questions about guys. We're not that complicated. You know? We're pretty easy, in my opinion. Look, we're not complicated enough to be complicated, all right? But the point is, if you want to know what God wants, you've got to hear from God. That's why Jesus is so important, because what did Jesus say about himself? Is he a teacher? Is he just a prophet? He's God. And he didn't come down to say, this is what God wants. He said, this is what I want. This is what I require. This is how I have established the relationship. That is crucial because if we're going to relate to God properly, that's what we need. But we'll get there in a moment. Other people assume God accepts us just because He created us. Neglecting our sin, rebellion, and guilt. That's the message today. Well, God doesn't make mistakes. No, He does not. But he does allow sin. God doesn't make mistakes, but he allows us to make mistakes. You can't blame, well, you know, it's just who I am. Well, Adam ate a piece of fruit, and Eve did too, and you were born not what you ought to be. If you've ever spent five minutes around a child, you understand this concept. This is why I could not teach kindergarten. A bunch of unrestrained sinners who have not yet been taught social graces. Lord, deliver me. <laughs> no. No, I like my own kids, but I couldn't handle 20 of other people's. I've, 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 they sent me into one of those classes to teach Sunday school, and thankfully it was small because I was like, Hello, tiny humans. I don't understand you. They're sinners. They do things they ought not. You have to teach them to do what they ought. So don't tell me God's going to accept us because He made us this way. We chose in our father Adam to be sinners, and we've been born sinners ever since. All of these ways of coming to God end in death because, again, when sinful people come before the holy living God on our own, we must receive His wrath and His justice. But please take note, God's people are not immune to this error. 
Because like David, we are often tempted to copy the world. When we do, God has to discipline us so that we will be brought back to the right way. What we hoped would lead to blessing leads to setback. David loved God. David was a legitimate, true believer. He was a believer when this happened, but he strayed from the right way. And God had to discipline him to bring him back in line, to show him, David, that way cannot lead to blessing. That way is harmful. That way, if you keep thinking of me that way, you're going to reduce me to an idol, something you control. You've got to remember I am God, the real God, the living God. You don't tell me what to do, I tell you what to do. It's just like a parent having to correct a child. Child, remember, I'm wiser, I'm smarter, I know. You've got to listen to me. When we try to take on the means of the world, we're going to fail. Churches do this all the time, ministries do this all the time. What will bring people to Jesus Christ? Does anyone know? The Holy Spirit working through His Word. That's why we preach. That's why we take the sermons and put them on the website and on YouTube. We've got a podcast now. You can go listen to our sermons on Stitcher or Google Podcasts or whatever. If you don't even know what a podcast is, don't worry about it. We put the sermons out there not to glorify the church, but because the Word of God brings people to life. When we trust anything but this Word and the Spirit speaking in this Word to bring people to Jesus, we've messed up. This. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation. That is what we use. But what is the right way? What is it that the gospel brings us to? What is the gospel bringing us to that we may approach God? How can sinful men be accepted by a holy God? We find when we approach God through His mediator, we find salvation. God is gracious and desires to do His people good. You may say, where's that in this passage? Obed-Edom. After the discipline, they put the ark in Obed-Edom's house. They don't want to bring it to Jerusalem. And David's afraid. He's thinking if anyone's close to the ark, they'll die. But what happens to Obed-Edom and his household? They're blessed. God is reminding David, David, it's not my intention to hurt my people. My intention is to bless my people. I want to give you grace, David. And they come and tell David... God has blessed the household of Obed-Edom because of the ark of God. God's presence has done him good. God is gracious. And David again sought God's presence, but something changed. Do you notice? In this passage, it's very subtle. And so it was that when the bearers of the ark of the Lord... Bearers? He had it in a cart last time. Who's carrying it? 
First Chronicles 15.2, the same story, different book. Then David said, no one is to carry the ark of God but the Levites. For the Lord chose them to carry the ark of God and to minister to him forever. God had told the people, I'm too holy for you to come before me. I'm too holy for you to touch the ark, which is my footstool upon the earth. Put poles in its side. Never take them out. Leave them there. Which, by the way, shows how silly putting it in a cart was. There were poles sticking out of the sides of it, and they're like, huh, well, put it on a cart. What are the poles for? He read the law of God and said, guys, this is where we messed up. God has established the Levites and set them apart, sanctified them, that they may stand between God and his people. They alone are to touch the poles, not the ark itself, and lift it and carry it. And that's what they did. They went, they picked it up, and they began carrying it. The ones God had set apart to do the work. The people as a whole then approached God in worship and David their king was leading them. He then blessed them and distributed the joy of God to all the people of God. Notice at the end of the worship service, David the king and kings would lead the people in worship and prayer. He turns around and blesses the people which he as king is able to do, he's anointed to do this, and then he takes of his wealth as king and begins distributing this food, a loaf of bread, a cake of raisins, a cake of dates to men and women. Usually it was just the men. Here's something for your household. No, no, not today. Everybody gets a share. Everybody gets this. Why? Because God has come. It is joyful. It is prosperous. Let us all rejoice it's wonderful. And what made the difference? Why before was David cast down and fearful and his relationship with God damaged? And now the people are rejoicing and he's rejoicing and the Levites are rejoicing. Why is everyone happy? Because David and the people approached God through the appointed mediator. We need a mediator. The whole story is here to tell us you have to go to God through the one He has chosen. And who is the one He has chosen? The Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Timothy 2.5 For there is one God and one mediator also between God and men the man, Christ Jesus. Jesus Christ is God. Eternally God. Truly God. Eternally begotten of the Father, and He is man. Born of the Virgin Mary with a human body, a human soul. He is both at once and is the mediator. He is perfectly holy, having come down in love and humility, having lived out a perfect life before the Father, having kept the law of God entire. And we are united to Him by the Holy Spirit and are accepted before God in Him and receive the joy and the blessings of salvation 
salvation from God in him. In Jesus alone do we have access to God and his blessings. Our call to worship again, John 14, 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. When you come to God by faith in Jesus, going through Jesus, saying, Lord, I am not worthy to stand in your sight. But Jesus lived a perfect life for me. And I am clothed in his righteousness. And Jesus died on the cross for me. And his blood has cleansed me of my sin and my guilt. And in Christ I come before you. There's no justice. There's no wrath. Because all the justice was paid on the cross. And God looks at you in Christ. And sees you clothed in his righteousness and says, oh, you are good. And I should reward you. And all the wonderful blessings and gifts that Jesus earned from his father by his perfect life. For he was a man and he lived a perfect life. And he earned God's infinite favor. But he gives it to you instead. You want joy? Take it. It's yours. You want peace? Comfort? Have it. The gift of the Holy Spirit to dwell within you? Have him. You want the gift of generosity, the gift of faith, the gift of teaching, the Spirit distributing all the spiritual gifts to His people? Do you want the gift of fruitfulness, of proclaiming Jesus and having people turn because the Spirit works through you? Take it! Do you want eternal life? It's yours. Not then, right now. You're already alive and will never die. Take it! And you stand there and you're like, God should be killing me. And he's rewarding me because I am in Christ. And for his sake, I am received. I am blessed. You know, you would think everybody would jump at the chance. Everybody would hear this and immediately be like, I want some of this. You'd think proclaiming this, they'd storm the front of the church and go, sign me up. But would you believe there are people who don't care? You see, those who reject God and his mediator are cut off from life and salvation. You would think those closest to David would share his love for God. But who here just doesn't get it? David's wife, Michael. He's been married to her longer than, I think, every other wife we know that he had. I think she was his first wife. She doesn't care. She's not looking at the ark of God coming into the city of David and rejoicing. I mean, God is coming to live where her husband rules. God is pleased to put his throne on earth next to her husband's throne, basically saying, I, the Lord Almighty, rule through him. I mean, what higher honor is there? 
But David isn't wearing his royal robes. David has taken off his official coat, his official robes. And he stands in front of them wearing an ephod, a simple linen outfit. And Michael says, wow, how you dignified yourself today. Look at you in front of all the maidens of Israel, prancing around in your underwear. How dare you? She didn't see anything. All she knew is her father was king, and now he wasn't. And if she wants royal dignity, her husband has to be royally dignified. That's what she sees, herself, her desires, her advancement. She lost it all. We care about this world and ourselves and what we can carve out by our own power. When we don't care about God and his Christ, God and his Christ cut us off. No favor. No blessing. David puts her in her place. I was before the Lord. It was not a time for me to be glorified. It was a time for him to be glorified. I did it before God. I, who was chosen over your father and his whole household, including you, to be king. And Michael had no child to the day of her death. Some people believe that was God striking her with barrenness. But do you know what most people believe? David left her alone, yeah. Never touched her. That was the end of their husband-wife relationship. They were still married, but he basically said, you're cut off. How dare you defy God Almighty? Nobody gets between me and my God. Royal dignity. She had no heir, no part in David's bloodline. She lost everything. So let's take stock here. You can't find life and joy in yourself or the world. Any happiness they bring is fleeting and is shattered by the justice of God in the end. You can't bring yourself to God apart from Christ. For if you stand before Him apart from Christ, you must face His justice for your sins. You can only find life, joy, and blessing in a relationship with God through faith in Jesus the Christ, the mediator between God and man. Now, I don't know about you, but there's only one choice to make here. And that is to come to Jesus Christ in faith and have that relationship with Him. Come to Jesus, that joy and salvation may be yours. Let's go to the Lord our God in prayer. We hope this sermon has been helpful to you. 
If you would like more information about the Gospel of Jesus Christ or about Goshen Presbyterian Church, please contact us using the website goshenpca.com, where you can find our email address as well as our phone number. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching for Goshen PCA. Please subscribe to this podcast and feel free to share the good news of Jesus Christ by sharing these episodes.